1: Startling new developments in the public mischief case against Surrey's mayor. Right, she clipped my knee and in, in my bottom leg. Bombshell documents that show how Doug McCallum went from victim to the accused. Chantel Moore's death leads to new recommendations. We need justice for every single person. How First Nations leaders are reacting. And... You're denying him more chaos at the surrey passport office
2: this passport office is saying that there is no appointments available for the next 40 days and no walk in
1: what the government agency in charge says about staffing you're watching global bc this is global news hour at six good evening and thanks for joining us sophie is off tonight For the first time, we're learning what evidence led to charges of public mischief against Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum. Global News went to court to obtain the documents that have been shielded from the public until now. Catherine Urquhart has this Global News exclusive.
3: In December, Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum was charged criminally with public mischief after claiming he had been struck by a car.
1: As she pulled out and and turned right, she clipped my knee and, and my bottom leg and then ran over my foot at the same time and then took off.
3: Details of the police investigation have been largely secret as documents were sealed by the courts, but not anymore. Several weeks ago, Global News launched a court challenge seeking to unseal the ITO, the information to obtain. This is the document in which police detailed facts of the case and was the basis for the judge issuing search warrants. Now the judge has removed that seal. While some redactions have been made, the court document states, McCallum said in a statement that he was pinned up against his vehicle. The video surveillance shows McCallum was not pinned up against a vehicle. McCallum said in his statement that the driver tore away from him. Video surveillance shows the driver slowly roll through the right-hand turn and then proceed at a normal speed. McCallum said in his statement that after his foot was run over, he walked over limping. Surveillance video shows him walking in the same manner that he was walking prior to the incident.
4: What the ITO indicates is that the officers had viewed videotape, some of which they were still seeking, but they had viewed some, and and the story on the videotape... Uh,
5: the officers believed did not match up with what Mr. McCallum was saying.
3: Evidence in the case includes surveillance video from the Save on Foods, along with surveillance video from Peace Arch Hospital, where McCallum went after he claims he was hit and after he did his grocery shopping. McCallum's running shoe that was worn that day is also evidence, the same shoe mentioned during our interview. Some people are going to be really curious to sort of get a sense of your injuries. Is there anything you can show us? Well, I got special shoes on. Release of the documentation in the high-profile case is in the public interest, says lawyer Dan Burnett.
4: Well, what it means is um, that the the principle of court openness has now been fulfilled in the sense that um, um, the public should have the entitlement to see what goes on in our courts.
3: The mayor of Surrey is scheduled to go to trial for the criminal charge October 31st, about two weeks after the next municipal election. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
1: Now, today's revelations about the evidence that led to charges against Doug McCallum are also raising questions about his political future. And there is growing frustration his legal costs are being covered by the city. Joining us now with that angle is Richard Zussman from Victoria. Richard.
4: As of right now, Chris, Doug McCallum plans on running for re-election in Surrey. But ultimately, whether he keeps that job will both be up to himself, but ultimately up to the voters of Surrey as well. In elected life, there are the courts, and more importantly, the court of public opinion.
2: I just can't, can't believe our public servants or our candidates can get away with the things they do and not be held accountable.
4: Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum has been insistent he did nothing wrong and will be running for re-election in October. These latest revelations could change that. I would advise him to step down and, and deal with this matter before running, but if he chooses to run, uh, I think he has a right to, to do that. Doug McCallum! McCallum swept into office in 2018 with 41.3% of the vote as Surrey mayor, well clear of the 26% his closest competitor received. He has fulfilled his two biggest promises, moving Surrey to a regional police force and turning LRT into Skytrain. But this legal cloud hangs over him. Trial is to happen after the election. Uh, so unless something changes in terms of a dismissal or a plea, um, voters in Surrey aren't going to know the outcome of this case until after the election, and that puts them in a very difficult spot. The court's decision is scheduled for after the October 15th election day, but McCallum could still change his mind and decide not to seek re-election. If he decides under the circumstances to pull out and, and deal with this matter and, and otherwise get on with his life, uh, then I think the race opens up. Um, there, there are a lot of people have mulled over, And uh... there's only one proclaimed competitor so far in Surrey. City Councillor Brenda Locke will be running for mayor this fall, saying it's inappropriate for McCallum to be in the race while taxpayers in Surrey foot his legal bill.
6: The reality is he needs to step aside and do the right thing for the residents. People are very, very upset about this and they're upset about paying his bills.
4: There are two other very high-profile politicians who are looking at a possible mayoral run. One of them is very familiar with these hallways. I'm told that Surrey MLA Ginny Sims is very close to making a determination that she will run to be the next mayor of Surrey. And MP Sue Dollywell, also in Surrey, he is strongly considering running for mayor as well. The question is, will McCallum be alongside them? And ultimately, when it comes to court of public opinion who will those in surrey get to
1: choose when they look at that ballot we know a lot of people will be watching thanks very much richard yeah. lots of excitement at the legislature today governor general mary simon has arrived in victoria for her first official visit to bc <laughs> Simon overseeing the vice regal salute this afternoon on the steps of the legislature, complete with a 21-gun salute. Simon was welcomed with a performance by the Lekwungen traditional dancers of the Songhees nation, followed by handshakes with B.C. dignitaries. Simon also went inside to sign the official guest book with her husband. On Monday, Simon will be in Kamloops to commemorate the one-year anniversary of of the discovery of over 200 suspected unmarked graves at the former Kamloops Indian Residential School. The death of BC woman Chantelle Moore could lead to changes in policing that prevent similar tragedies in the future. Moore was shot by an officer during a wellness check back in New Brunswick in 2020, and the inquiry has come up with several suggestions to improve the way police are trained and deployed. As Natalie Sturgeon reports, the recommendations are already getting lots of reaction.
7: The recommendations made by a five-person jury in the inquest into the shooting death of Chantel Moore included better police training and best practices and more access to less lethal weapons. It's also recommending testing police officers for competency on policies and an independent investigative body with clear and concise policies that apply to all police agencies in the province.
1: I read the recommendations. I think they're uh, well thought out. Uh, the recommendations will go off to our partners. We'll give them time to respond and give us a timeline on, on what they think
8: that they can achieve and when they can do it. And then uh, as a part- the Department of Public Safety, we'll look at those at that time.
7: Hogan says some of the recommendations made are already being implemented. The province is also entering into a memorandum of understanding with Nova Scotia's Serious Incident Response Team. He says the authority of the provincial government to mandate certain rules on municipal police forces is complicated and it doesn't have unilateral decision-making power. However, the recommendations are something those within the Indigenous community say don't matter without action.
4: But systemic racism is real in this province of New Brunswick. We need justice. We need justice for every single person you know, in this province and every single indigenous person across Turtle Island. No justice, no peace.
7: The willis Nations of New Brunswick say the inquest shows a need for an Indigenous-led inquiry into systemic racism. It's something the Office of the Commissioner for Systemic Racism agrees with.
2: Again, I, th- I think one of the things that's, that's become apparent in this process and also in Rodney Levi's process and in our own work is that these are not Indigenous-led processes. Um, and, and this week has demonstrated in full, again, the need for an Indigenous-led process.
7: Martha Martin Moore's mother has also filed a suit against the city of Edmonston and Constable Jeremy Sun. The city told Global News it had no comment on the result of the inquest or the suit. Natalie Sturgeon, Global News, Fredericton.
1: A sigh of relief from B.C. health officials as the world turns its attention to the spread of another virus. After early reports today, there could be two suspected cases of monkeypox in B.C., the Centre for Disease Control now says that is not the case. Aaron MacArthur has the latest. Concerns
9: over transmission of monkeypox in B.C. tempered Friday. Two suspected cases ruled out by the B.C. Centre for Disease Control. For now, the outbreak in Canada has been restricted to the greater Montreal area.
6: we we'll definitely see an increase of the number of cases throughout the coming, the coming days, that's for sure.
9: Two cases have been lab-confirmed in Quebec. And 20 more people are showing symptoms of the rare disease. Public health officials monitoring the situation, but say the risk to the general public, extremely low. It's not
10: transmissible like COVID's transmissible.
4: It's not like you meet an infected person for co- coffee and, and you get it. Um, you know, it requires closer physical contact.
9: The World Health Organization is now monitoring outbreaks of the disease across Europe, Australia and the U.S., Researchers who have studied monkeypox in West Africa say the key will be linking how the virus is spreading.
6: We're in very early days. What we need to do is to identify all of the cases, really understand the scope of what we're dealing with, and then look to see what
11: kind of common denominator there is.
9: Monkeypox closely related to the smallpox virus. Typically, the smallpox vaccine is effective against both. Canada does have a limited supply of the vaccine on hand. But since smallpox was eradicated in Canada in the 1970s, there hasn't been any need to use it.
10: Should we vaccinate everybody? I do not think. Should we vaccinate people who are at high risk? I believe, I believe it would be a very wise idea.
9: Strategies developed during the pandemic could still prove useful. Masking and social distancing where necessary, plus regular hand washing, should be more than enough protection against this
1: outbreak. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Service Canada is now expressing regrets about how things unfolded this week at a passport office in Surrey. Police were called to deal with dozens of frustrated applicants, many of them who had lined up for days.
10: So right now it's not going to happen for you guys, I'm sorry.
1: These people say they were forced to camp out for days with no clear communication from Service Canada, hoping to get a walk-in appointment. Many were told if they had proof of travel within 24 to 48 hours, they'd be given priority, but most never made it through the door. When security told them no walk-ins would be accepted this morning, the group made their way inside Central City Mall demanding answers. Police were called to force the group back outside, but instead, applicants say the police intervention actually led Passport staff to reconsider
2: people are pissed off they're just they're not understanding why there's no walk-ins when there's so many empty chairs inside passport uh, canada i mean people are just wondering if the office you know is not filling those chairs for people to wait then where are all the appointments that they are you know saying that they have
1: in a statement employment and social development canada writes quote We appreciate that this situation has evolved and communication has been unclear. We regret the impact this has had on some clients. Better communication is being promised and staff is being brought in from other sites. Eventually today, more than a dozen walk-in applications were finally accepted. A slight drop in gas prices that felt like a bargain, didn't it? But the cost of fuel is expected to go up again Changing the game for sports teams who plan to travel on the long weekend. The tough choice to stay close to home instead, next on the News NewsHour. One, they're on water. Dramatic video of a boat in trouble and how police helped rescue three people, including a toddler, later. And, and he's it. flown his favorite instrument around the world and back again to perform for others, but he's shocked it couldn't survive the Canadian leg of its journey. That story later. As well. Right now, though, the price at the pump has fallen a little from this week's record high, but filling up for a long drive is still an expensive proposition. It's having a trickle down impact on something you might not expect kids' sports tournaments, with some teams now changing their plans to help families save some cash. Ematagahi reports.
5: As parents and players roll into hockey arenas around the lower mainland this weekend, there is a common topic of conversation.
12: The cost for killing me increased a lot. So yeah, I'm seriously thinking about electric bikes and electric vehicles.
5: The spike in gas prices adding to already expensive out-of-town travel.
6: I just
3: don't look at the gas prices when I go to the tank now. I'm yeah. just like,
5: okay, $70. 67% of hockey parents admit they will spend three dollars to $10,000 per child each season. That Scotiabank survey done in 2019 when gas prices compared to now were at least 60 cents cheaper.
4: What time is it? Game
0: time! Kings on three! One, two, three, Kings!
5: In North Vancouver, at this weekend's BC Mayhem Hockey Tournament, teams have traveled from as far as the interior. We don't have a tournament in Kenwood, so we're either traveling to Kelowna or down here. For kids, the experience and excitement of out-of-town tournaments can't be replaced. Just ask these Kamloops players. What do you like about playing people from Vancouver?
7: We, we it's get easier. It's way easier.
5: But organizations are beginning to factor in the cost of travel. Most importantly though, guys, let's have some fun here today. The director of the Fraser Valley King says they have put off a road trip for a future tournament in the interior finding it cheaper to fly out of province.
12: And something that we discussed with the parents and we put it out to them was to go and fly to Calgary instead as an alternative. Um, and the idea was, was uh, really well taken by the parents. Um, the flights actually became cheaper than driving to Kelowna and back.
5: Another example of how the pain of the pump is trickling down, even to youth sports. emadagahi Global News. Just ahead, something
1: worth celebrating this weekend. It's great to be back in the room again. The return of the Vancouver International Wine Festival and the one key change that helped the industry survive the pandemic. Also tonight, Canada joins the ban on Huawei 5G, willing to accept the potential political consequences.
3: Big delays this evening trying to get out of Vancouver to the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge. Recently cleared a stalled truck and camper uh, just past the north end of the bridge and that's what's causing all this leftover traffic. When renewing your ICBC auto plan insurance online, select your nearest Sussex Insurance when prompted. For all online broker benefits, peace of mind, and best rates, visit Sussex Insurance today. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge.
1: Justin Trudeau says Canada carefully considered all factors before it banned China's Huawei and ZTE from the country's 5G telecommunications network over security concerns. We took the time uh, to carefully analyze the situation, to look at all sorts of factors, uh, to look very closely at what our allies and partners were doing around the world in regards to telecommunications safety, and we uh, made the decision to move forward Uh, in a way that will ensure the safety of Canadians as the world moves towards 5G, which will surround us even more. Canada was the last of the Five Eyes allies to implement a ban. The delayed decision led Canadian telecommunications players to ink deals with other technology companies, effectively freezing out the Chinese telecoms. Canadian companies will now have five years to remove any Huawei technology already installed within their networks. Trudeau conceded the decision could lead to backlash from China, making trade deals more difficult. Now, the federal government's decision was, by many accounts, long overdue. But as Anne Gaviola explains, the decision and the delay does have major complications for almost anyone using a cell phone.
6: After years of policy limbo, it should be full steam ahead for Canada's much-anticipated 5G rollout, the new generation of wireless technology that will allow for truly unlimited data plans and things like smart homes and cars. Many players, including the big three, Bell, TELUS and Rogers, have started deploying 5G, but it's not the full nine yards. Think of it as 4.5G. Experts say Canada has lots of catching up to do. Canada is a lot further away from that 5G rollout compared to other countries like the U.S., like South Korea. This has been a long time coming. The U.S. banned Huawei three years ago. Canada's delay comes at a price. Samir Bechet is the man behind ICE Wireless, which provides wireless service to thousands of customers in remote northern communities.
1: That is their lifeline. That's their connection to the world.
6: His company, which specializes in the technology that makes Zoom and Skype calls possible, relies heavily on Huawei components and has invested tens of millions because they're cheap and very reliable in cold climates. He says this announcement puts small players that serve remote and rural communities at a disadvantage against the deep-pocketed Big Three, who opted for more expensive alternatives.
13: The ugly part here
1: is uh, Canadians will continue to pay some of the highest rates in the world because the... um, the incumbents will continue to have the upper hand.
6: If the government had made a decision sooner, then those smaller players could have figured out a different alternative route to what they could have done instead of already placing out all of that infrastructure in those northern communities. A national security ban that impacts household budgets across the country. Ann Gaviola, Global News, Toronto.
1: Wine lovers are toasting their favourite drink at the Vancouver Convention Centre this weekend with the return of the International Wine Festival following a COVID-19 hiatus. As Paul Johnson shows us, many B.C. wineries were able to turn to local enophiles in order to stay in business.
10: It's great to be back in the room again.
1: Pouring samples of their signature aromatic white blends.
14: Evan Saunders can tell you it's been a long haul since March 2020 panic like everybody
1: else to start with.
14: For BC's wineries, the early pandemic saw both their restaurant customers and business at their tasting rooms disappear simultaneously. No one was sure what the future would be or if they would be in it. And everybody putting their heads together and seeing what we could do to to survive essentially. But they did. On day one of the return of the Vancouver International Wine Festival, B.C. wineries make up 40 out of 100 exhibitors. And it turns out their secret to survival was other British Columbians who started ordering wine directly from them in numbers that surprised even the winemakers.
1: It just exploded. We'd be you know, loading pallets onto trucks and seeing pallets from other wineries all around us going out as well. The
14: wine world is back. After missing last year, the festival is back with wines from 13 countries and the opportunity for that personal experience.
12: It's not just about tasting wine or getting a sample, it's the fact that when you taste wine, you get to look the owner, the winemaker in the eye and ask them questions and find
14: out the story behind the wines in that glass. Looking forward, BC's wineries hope to restore that experience factor even more. Osoyo's's Bordertown Vineyards has a popular Cabernet Franc. But on top of the health restrictions, last summer saw them dealing with wildfire smoke at their tasting room. Heading into this summer, the feeling couldn't be more different. It's smile time. Everybody's, you
1: know, a little more relaxed now. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. Just ahead, children with autism feeling isolated.
0: I feel like I'm repeating myself again and again, asking for help.
1: Parents sharing their stories to get more support and the baby formula crisis in the US and why the situation isn't so dire in Canada yet.
3: Good evening and some good news over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Final clearing stages of a stall northbound at the south end in the right lane. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge.
1: A man has been arrested and charged following a disturbing incident involving a child. Surrey RCMP say the incident happened 8.30 this past Sunday, May 15th. Police received the report a man had groped a three-year-old child while inside a store in the 12400 block of 88th Avenue. The child's father and other bystanders kept the man secured until police arrived. He was later released from custody, but after investigators viewed surveillance video of the incident, a warrant was issued for 24-year-old Adam Alexander Newbigging. He has now been charged with sexual assault and sexual interference and remains in custody. A heartbreaking post on social media has once again brought to light the constant challenges facing special needs children and their parents. As Romina Dea reports, the mother of a child with autism is blasting her school district for its lack of support.
10: (laughs) You want more,
3: Justin?
0: Ever since his first words.
10: More?
3: (laughs) No.
0: Tristan's been fighting for a chance. Mom and dad, his greatest advocates. I love you. Which is why they could not remain silent after witnessing this. Their 13-year-old son alone. Every recess, every lunch break at the far corner of his elementary school. I'm just sad for him because he deserves better. Kristen has autism. He has extreme anxiety in social settings. The grade 7 student used to have a special needs support worker who would encourage him to socialize and make friends during school breaks, but her hours have been cut. Not enough money, says mom. There needs to be more money across the board for kids that need. There shouldn't it shouldn't be um, a price tag shouldn't be put on human connection. Like he should, and all these kids should have access to one-to-one support.
5: Okay. Oh god. He's in the gray sweater. Tristan's
0: dad caught off guard because during our interview, a bunch of kids started playing with Tristan at lunch. A staff member also on scene. The teen's parents say it's the first time since last year.
5: Why does it take something like this to create action.
0: No comment from Catsy Elementary School, the district spokesperson, too busy for an on-camera interview on this important issue. In a statement, Retinder Matthew told us the Surrey School District spends more than the provincial average on special needs students. You want this? Tristan not asking for anything special, just a chance like any kid.
5: And as a parent, that's all we want to do is try and give um, amazing opportunities and, and, uh, and scenarios for him to have a great life. And when you see stuff like this, it hurts because there's not more you can do. Romina Dea, Global
1: News. Efforts are underway in Canada to help prevent a shortage of infant formula that has seen millions of American mothers struggling to feed their children. Mothers and fathers, let's put it that way. It's so dire, the Biden administration has ordered the Department of Defense to immediately fly in formula from other countries. Jennifer Johnson reports on the unique set of circumstances that have led to the shortage.
8: Operation Fly Formula will start importing infant formula to the U.S. in the next few days. The first flight, containing 1.5 million bottles, will come from Zurich, Switzerland. The shipment can't come soon enough for parents who have struggled for months to provide for their babies.
4: It's pretty scary because he can't eat real food yet, so it's like, if we don't have no milk, then we don't know what we're
8: going to do. Lawmakers on Capitol Hill grilled the head of the Food and Drug Administration on when store shelves will fill up again. I can tell my constituents that within a matter of days, they'll be able to find formula on the shelves. Within days, it will get better. But it will be a few weeks before we're back to normal. Health Canada says the country is also facing a shortage of baby formula, especially those for infants with allergies and other medical conditions.
1: I can assure you uh, that all our various agencies are uh, looking at this very seriously. We know that families are worried about, uh, about
14: their
8: newborns. The shortages started after the FDA shut down Abbott Nutrition's Michigan plant in February, following the deaths of two infants. Experts fear some desperate parents will make desperate decisions.
7: Families will attempt to fill the gap themselves by choosing to dilute their available formula or choosing to feed their infants something not made for infants.
8: Doctors say those choices could have life-threatening consequences.
5: This is a crisis for us in healthcare.
8: Infant breast milk banks are asking for additional donors as they ramp up processing. Doctors are handing out samples to help the most fragile babies, like this three-month-old who has a dairy allergy.
6: My worst fear is that when I call to schedule a pickup for samples that they will say,
8: The airlifts will help, and Abbott's plant may reopen next week, but it will take time before empty store shelves are stocked again. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington.
1: Still ahead, a setback for the traveling sitar player. This is shattered,
10: but I'm more shattered than this.
1: How the show must go on even after his beloved instrument was destroyed during a flight on a Canadian airline. Also tonight, the heaviest snowpack in a decade and the potential for flooding if the heat comes on too quickly. The latest bulletin from the River Forecast Center says the provincial snowpack is the highest observed since 2012 and the risk of flooding in parts of the interior from the Fraser River persists. There's been a delay of the snowmelt this spring. No surprise with the temperatures we've had. The snowpack. On average, across the province is about 128% of normal. The greatest concern remains in the interior, especially in and around the headwaters of the Fraser River, where if there were an extreme heat wave lasting at least five days over the next several weeks, it could create the risk of major flooding like back in 1948 or 72.
10: The snowpack is high enough and it really was high enough in those headwaters of the Fraser River for April 1st and to have the delay of the melt it has increased the risk considerably. Uh, still of course at the mercy of the weather and uh, it will actually be what would we, we would conceive the, the nicest temperatures of the year, the, the, the times where we want to actually get out and travel and camp that will actually be the most dangerous
12: if it were to occur.
1: Right now, there is no significant warning for the interior expected in the next seven days. Another bulletin from the River Forecast Center is set to be released on June 8th. So no heat dome coming, but definitely it will be nicer this weekend than it has been for a while, which is great unless you're going high up in the hills and then you should be prepared for winter weather up there. Right, Christy?
11: Oh, yeah, there's so much snow up there right now, Chris, so people really need to be aware that that's what they're in for if they're headed out into the backcountry, winter-like conditions for sure. Uh, Here's a quick look. A lot of people wondering, why has it been so cold? Well, here's a quick look at the reason. Overall, jet stream is the problem, and it's because La Nina conditions have shifted that jet stream to basically just over Oregon, Washington, BC coast. It sort of shifts up and down a little bit, but generally, it's been targeting our area, bringing one system after another along the that jet stream. In addition, we had a dr- trough in the jet stream or a dip that's pulled in that Arctic air from the north, and that has been the scenario time after time. So, the combination of these systems on the jet stream, that cold air, that's why it's been uh, exceptionally cool and wet. Uh, historical average is what you see in pink there. This gives you the snow water equivalent in the North Shore Mountains. Uh, the line that you see in dark blue, that is where we sit right now. So, typically, we'd see a massive drop off this time of year, but we're way up high still. So that's why this is cause for concern. Now we're going to have a look at your temperatures in a second, but first I wanted to talk about the thunderstorms we saw today. A number of them in the interior and the Fraser Valley. Look at this thunderstorm, Ken, caught on camera. Massive ones. And you can expect a similar pattern again tomorrow. So although we are expecting sunshine, we still have those pop-up showers possible. So keep your eye out for that in the interior and in through the Fraser Valley tomorrow. But otherwise, enjoy the sunshine. This is well delivered a well-deserved stretch of weather we haven't seen a stretch of weather like this in more than uh, two months monday's a little bit iffy so tune back in for more details on that one but overall we're looking at temperatures into the 20s away from the water so this is what you can enjoy great shot erin she was uh, taking a flight back from victoria over towards vancouver and i couldn't decide between this photo and this one from mount seymour also to remind you yes it's spring like now but it isn't in the mountains thanks to ken for that one
1: Wow, that doesn't even look real. It looks like a graphic or something, but wild what you can find up there on Mount Seymour. Thanks very much, Christy. Well, a day on the water nearly turned tragic in Seattle as a small boat carrying three people, including a toddler, started taking on water. And the whole thing was caught on camera. Police have released body cam footage of the dramatic rescue. It's down
2: about mid-bridge of I-90. Cover
3: one there's.
6: While rescue crews and boats headed that way, it was two officers on the bridge that spotted the raft first. Uh, yeah, Robert, they are now out. Quickly, the waves filled the raft, sinking it, dumping everyone into the water, including a two year old. The toddler was the first out of the water wearing a life vest brought by rescuers.
4: Sit right here, sit right here, sit down,
6: sit down. Attention then turned to the adults, still in the water.
14: Oh, no. No. You're all right. All right.
6: As they lifted one man into the boat, officers helped the other man up on the bridge where he watched the rescue play out below.
2: Okay, see, they're all on board. You're good, okay? You're all on board. See, he's only fine. Look at him.
1: Happy little babe, okay? Amazing stuff. Mm. All right, a lot of hockey fans will be watching the Battle of Alberta about to start again Mm -hmm. here for, what, round two?
12: Yeah, I know there are superstars in this league. McDavid are on these teams. McDavid, Goudreau, but to me, the star of the show is Daryl Sutter. (laughs) One of the the (laughs) fun things about the Battle of Alberta is listening to Daryl Sutter answer questions. And a lot of the time, you're really not sure what he's saying guts your team. Middle of the ice. <laughs> I'm not sure what that was, but it's entertaining. He also makes great faces on the bench. So more from Daryl Sutter coming up. We'll look forward to that, Barry.
1: Also coming up, a local musician we featured just a short time ago, heartbroken that his beloved instrument has been destroyed. What it means for his next performance coming up. Battle of Alberta seemed like a beer league game in the first game. We'll, we'll see what we get tonight, I guess, Barry. Yeah,
12: yeah I would expect a little more hitting and, and a lot better goaltending. Thanks, Chris. One uh, of the great things about the Battle of Alberta, there's a lot of great things, but you get Daryl Sutter news conferences once a day and twice on game days. You can never predict what the Flames coach will say or the way he says it. It is truly unique. A lot has been made in this series on Brady Kachuk, supporting his brother Matthew by being a very vocal cheerleader in the stands in Calgary. So Daryl Sutter was asked about his relationship with his brothers in their playing days during the Stanley Cup playoffs.
1: Uh, we were always, if you out, You're out, you're home this weekend to help dad put the crop in. Way long. Everybody always asks, What'd you say to your brother when you shook his hand? Who's getting on the tractor on Tuesday?
12: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that's priceless. All right, on the ice tonight, game two Hurricanes and Rangers. Carolina won the opener in overtime. Uh, Much lower scoring than the Battle of Alberta. It's the only goal so far. Short-handed, a pretty one. Sebastian Aho to Brendan Smith, and it's 1-0 Canes late in the second. FIFA will announce all of the host cities for the 2026 World Cup on June 16th. And of course, that includes which Canadian cities will host World Cup games. Vancouver, Toronto and Edmonton are on the list. At least two of that group will be chosen. Maybe all three. We'll find out in just four weeks. And can you imagine a Canadian match at BC Place? It would be spectacular. The French Open starts Sunday in Paris. There will be some BC content. Vancouver's Rebecca Marino won her third straight qualifying match earlier today to get into the main draw. Marino will face American teenager Coco Gauff, the number 18 seed, in her opening round match. That will go either Sunday or Monday. Fraser Valley Bandits open their training camp today in Langley. They open their basketball season on Wednesday. The Canadian Elite Basketball League is all about Canadian content, and for the Bandits... Local content, where a couple of good friends from Surrey hope to crack the roster.
13: Competition breeds excellence, and for a couple former Tamana with secondary teammates, they've been pushing each other since childhood. Uh, we've had our battles. He's beaten me a few times, but I would say I've beat him a majority of the time. And you can ask him to make sure as well, but I would give myself the edge. Now Sukhjot Baines and Sukman Sandhu are pushing each other to earn a spot on the Fraser Valley Bandits roster. If they both make the team, it'll be another reunion. I returned home to play at UFV with for one year, and that was a really good experience as well. Going from high school down to a pro team together, it's something we would joke about back in the day, so for it to happen is, is a crazy experience. The duo have the bonus of being able to pick the brain of one of BC's best, Robert Sacre was a star at Hansworth before his four-year NBA career with the L.A. Lakers, and now he's an assistant GM with the Bandits.
4: One of the reasons why I came back was to help get back because basketball has done so much for me and this community has done so much for me to get to the level I've gotten to. So obviously it's important for our young guys to see you know, their role models
13: on the court. The Canadian Elite Basketball League is entering its fourth season and has expanded to ten teams this year. The concept for the league is to create opportunities for Canadian players, something the locals are looking to tap into. In my time at tomatoes there wasn't really stuff around like this, so it's it's cool to kind of bridge that gap, come make it on the team, and, and show other Tomatoes guys or Surrey Surrey high school players that stuff like this is possible, especially now the CEBL here. We got some BC guys that you know can. Guys around the lower mainland can look at and say, hey, that could be me one day.
12: Round two of the PGA Championship from Tulsa. Very windy in the morning. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin played in the tough conditions. Solid round. A beautiful approach shot here at the long par 5 fifth, which led to a birdie. 1 over 71 for Adam today at plus 4. He made the cut. Corey Connors and Mackenzie Hughes did not make the cut. They were plus nine. Tiger Woods needed to shoot even par to make the cut. And Tiger made some clutch shots. This birdie at the 10th. Mid-afternoon, now the wind just stopped and some players took advantage. Will Zalatoris, one of the better ball strikers on tour, Great shot here at his uh, 17th hole. Another birdie, and he's the leader at 9 under, a 5 under 65. No bogeys, and he's got a one-shot lead on Chile's Mito Pereira. Back to Tiger. Made double bogey on the 11th, but recovered. Made some clutch par saves, and then this great approach at 16, which led to a birdie. And Tiger will play the weekend after a 1 under 69. He's at 3. Rory McIlroy, by the way, is at minus 4, 5 off the lead. Bubba Watson had the round of the day. Almost holes out for an eagle at 17. He would tap in for his ninth birdie of the day, a 7-under 63, tied the course record, also times uh, ties the all-time PGA Championship record, and he's fourth place at minus five. So, lots of great golf on the weekend uh, coming up, and we'll have that, of course, on the News Hour. No
1: doubt. You just never know what Bubba's going to do.
12: It's, he's he's uh, he was really feeling it today. It was fun to watch. Looks like it. Thanks very much, Barry.
1: Well, coming up, a broken sitar and how the show must still go on for the musician who owns it next. A B.C. musician we recently featured here has suffered a major setback on his tour to play for audiences all over the world. You might remember he played his sitar at base camp on Mount Everest. But during a recent trip on Flair Airlines, his favorite instrument was damaged, likely beyond repair. But as Kylie Stanton reports, despite a weak response from the air... The show will go on.
2: On the stage, on the shore, echoing through the Grand Canyon and from the world's highest peak. Sharanjit Singh's music has taken him around the globe. This instrument, his most trusted companion.
10: I have experienced everything in my life with my sitar. Every time I see something beautiful, I say I must play sitar here. That is Anjuman.
2: The name means beloved. Singh has been playing this sitar for the past 10 years, what he describes as the perfect fit.
10: Finally, I have a sitar which I understand, sitar understands me. And that was Anjuman.
2: He says was, because this is how the sitar arrived in baggage claim after a recent flight on Flair Air from Vancouver to Montreal.
10: And I tell you, I'm, I'm, this is shattered, but I'm more shattered than this. Well, of course, that was a shock. I was uh, for literally for a few minutes, I wasn't sh- sure if I'm dreaming on what's going on. I wasn't in my senses.
2: Singh had packed the sitar in a custom fiberglass case, complete with padding and explicitly marked fragile. He even paid extra for the special handling of the instrument.
10: This is deliberately broken. No sitar breaks like this unless it's it's dropped from a height and treated as a usual piece of luggage.
2: Singh posted this video after getting nowhere with airline staff on site.
10: Flair Air, you need to show some responsibility here.
2: In a statement to Global News, the airline wrote, Flair Air is currently in contact with Mr. Sharonjeet Singh Mand and working with him to arrive at a reasonable solution in these unique circumstances. But Singh says they've taken zero responsibility for the incident.
10: And uh, it, it is a problem that the musicians face globally.
2: But as they say, the show must go on. Singh has arranged for a replacement sitar for his tour dates in Montreal, but is struggling to come to terms with what that will mean for his audience. They will
10: not get the quality which they're supposed to. My playing, I'm not satisfied with that.
2: Unjamin is beyond repair. It will be several years before Singh is able to build that same connection with a new instrument.
10: It's heart-wrenching.
2: And possibly a lifetime to come to terms with what's been lost. Kylie Stanton, Global News.
1: Still beautiful music coming out of some of the other instruments. We wish him luck on his tour. All right, before we go, last word on weather and what should be a pretty nice long weekend ahead, Christy.
11: We're so lucky that finally a nice stretch of weather lands on a long weekend. So enjoy, everyone. Lots to look forward to with temperatures away from the water into the low 20s. Not too hot to accelerate that snowmelt. I want you to note, though, Monday's forecast is still a bit iffy. The models are not in conjunction in what they're putting out there. So tune back in over the weekend. We'll have more details about your Monday forecast.
1: Perfect timing. I don't want to say good luck to all the teams in the Mike Whip Me Tournament Little League Baseball Tournament in Langley this weekend. Have a great weekend, everybody.